As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Praise God once again to all of you this morning. If I can take some time from you and give you a word from the Lord on today. For those of you that have the word of the Lord with you, please turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Once you found it, please signify by standing on your feet to reverence the word of the Lord, unless you're unable. But we pray and speak that everyone is able on this day. Amen. Acts chapter 17. And I'm going to focus in very closely today on verses 14 through 23. Amen. And I'm reading to you from the standard King James Version. And the word of the Lord declares thus. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as if it were to see. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens. And receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus... For to come and to him with all speed they departed. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Hold that thought right there. The city wholly, meaning completely, given to Idolatry. Verse 17, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews. Okay, watch this. Let me roll that so y'all catch this. So therefore he argued in what they call the church. Yes, yes it is. Uh, okay, some folks like broke English. What we call the church. Y'all know old school. So the argument is in the church. Amen. So. The scripture says, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of Epicurean and of Stoics encountered him and some said, what will this babbler say? Others some he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods. 
Now let me bag up because I don't want nobody to get lost on that. Because some of y'all look and say, okay, Apostle, you say Epicureans. All right. Epicureans are those who are helpers. They consider themselves assistance to you. Amen. Meaning these are philosophers that call themselves assisting you in what you believe. Uh, are y'all with me? Because a philosopher, if we go back to the Greek, is philosophurious, which is one who is seeking wisdom. So now the boys that seeking wisdom, who call themselves a help, and the Stoics mean these are the ones who are out on the porch. If y'all remember when it came to the tabernacle or the temple, the temple had a porch that went around it. And so these were the boys that kept the porch as to who came on and who didn't. Uh, okay, so now Paul now is in an argument with the boys at the church. And the argument is if we would say in 21st century in the vestibule, because a lot of folks ain't going to let you in the right place where you get any recognition of truth being spoken. So the boys is keeping Paul at bay in a place where they feel that they assisting him by holding him to their own standard. Come on, come on. Yes, it is. Uh, okay. I got you. Come on. Okay. So, verse 18, the scripture says, Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Other some, he seen it to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Okay, for we can still get deep with that. I want to make sure y'all really get this thing. Check this out. It wasn't the fact that he was just preaching about Jesus, uh -huh. but he was preaching about the resurrection. All right. Somebody should have a struggle within themselves right now saying, well, wait a minute. They're talking about him preaching about God's plural. Yeah. But notice that the scripture only names Jesus and then it names resurrection. OK, if I can give you all a sidebar revelation, resurrection comes from the Greek word Anastasia. So technically, they thought he was preaching about Jesus and another woman. They didn't have the revelation that Anastasia means resurrection. All right, y'all with me now? So right now, they're already twisted on what Paul is trying to give them a revelation on about the living Lord Jesus Christ and how he lives because of the resurrection. They think they're talking about Jesus and a woman named Anastasia. Especially to be philosophers who are those seeking wisdom, but they didn't even know the own translation of the word. But okay, y'all with me, right? Y'all with me? All right, verse 19. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagos, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. Okay, so somebody should really be grabbing this deep. For them to be culturally Jews or from the Hebraic background of worshiping Yahweh, it's a strange thing of the doctrine that Paul is teaching around Jesus and the resurrection. Y'all got to really feel what's going on. Somebody should be really be saying, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
These are the boys that are supposed to hold all the wisdom, so nothing should be strange to them. It may be strange for them to get a revelation on Jesus and the resurrection, but everything that Paul is preaching as a doctrine is still strange to them. So what's going on in Denmark? Y'all ain't hearing it right now. So it says in verse 20, For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Okay. Y'all, I want to preach already, and I can't even get through the, the scripture. This, this, this really ties, y'all should be getting a revelation. Y'all remember when Paul talked about folks with itchy ears? So now, he even telling off, the, the, the philosophers are telling off on themselves. They're telling you, I got itchy ears because anything that I hear, I want to be the first one to tell it. I don't want nobody to out me of being the first one to tell you something new that you ain't heard. But I believe by the word of God, didn't it say there's nothing new under the heavens? So apparently, apparently, somebody created something new that's now been established as a doctrine that people are following. And, uh, okay. Okay. Y'all with me, right? Okay. So, verse 22, then, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. Wow. And we ain't talking wow. about Stevie Wonder. Some of y'all been around for a minute, y'all know. My man talked about superstition writing on the wall. Okay. Verse 23. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, and watch this, what you committed to, serving as higher than you, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore... You ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. If I had to put something in y'all mind to think about right now, it's false or unknown gods in the church. False or unknown gods in the church. You can give the Lord a hand clap if you want to. It's tight, but it's right. But somebody got to call out the unknown and the false gods that have infiltrated the church and the body of Christ. Amen. Y'all can be seated if you want to. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, as some know, has been dealing with me for the past couple of weeks. And in dealing with me, the Holy Spirit says this is a dealing that has to be dealt with in the body of Christ as well. If people are going to be believers and worshipers of me, this is the season that they need to be aware of how to do it in spirit and in truth. Unfortunately, what God has put on my spirit and on my heart 
Day after day, year after year, month after month, preachers and teachers have always made the statement for you as believers when it comes to you living unrighteous or doing something that you know that doesn't line up with the will of God. We are so quick to tell you quit worshiping false gods or, 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 or quit serving uh, 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 idol gods. Etc. Amen. But unfortunately, the Holy Spirit began to convict me and say, even in telling folks not to worship false gods and idol gods, who's defining what they are to them? Oh, y'all, did y'all hear me there? Who's defining it? If it's not being defined in your hearing, then you will have an innate ability not to recognize where you're in error. As Deke was teaching this morning in your Sunday school on repentance. Repentance, we know, talks about going back where you were in fault in order to get it fixed. Well, right now, the body of Christ is moving on a ship that's about to wreck because nobody is articulating in your hearing the identification of what false gods are all about so you can say okay I can check myself and know that I'm not moving in this direction because if we be real about it let's call a spade a spade nine out of ten folks when we talk about false gods or idolatry the first thing that come to your mind is a little Buddha statue mm-hmm. amen y'all know I'm being real uh, you, you have no other connection with false gods other than what you've seen on the history of his story channel. So you say, okay, a, god, a false god is about me having a statue that I worship because that's idolatry. And we remember, idolatry is the practice of worshiping something that does nothing. So in that, we still become idolaters when we don't do what we're worshiping for. So... In the same turn, most of us are still been hoodwinked in our thinking that idolatry has gone through evolution, 21st century. So now we say, okay, idolatry is about what you like doing. That's right. That's Meaning, if I like washing my car, then I become an idolater to serving my car of spending so much time with it. But see, I beg to differ right now today. The devil is a lie because the devil has did an indictment on the body of Christ with everybody being ignorant about gods that they're still worshiping and reincarnating. Come on, come on. Okay, let's let's get to the word. Let's don't talk about it, let's be about it. Amen. So here in the scripture, Paul is has been in Berea. Amen. The boy's been with him. Timothy, as we see by the scriptures, uh, uh, and so Silas has been with him as well. But now he's sent, and it seems like he's at sea. Amen. Now, y'all got to catch a revelation here. When we talk about being at sea, anything and everything comes. And we don't know when we're going to get to the destination. Amen. That's what's prophetically going on here. Because it says that it seems like he was at sea. Well, my man was on foot going from one place to the other. So he wasn't physically at sea, but he was as spiritually at sea. Because anything and everything you can encounter in the process. Hello, somebody. So we should be getting a revelation now. When it comes to us dealing with unknown and false gods, anything and everything can happen when you begin to get on course for God. Notice that every time you set your ship at sail in an assignment for God, now all of a sudden, then devils and imps and everybody else and they gang want to come and get involved and take you off your course. 
Okay, so, 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 Paul is on his assignment. And then it says, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens. Huh. Now that's, that's somewhere to hang your hat. Paul was waiting for them at Athens. Athens, if I can get a little bit deep with that, Athens comes from the Greek word Athenas, which means uncertainty. Okay, y'all should be grabbing this. Mm -hmm. So that means right. when you start putting yourself, because what I want y'all to do is really put yourself in Paul's shoes as to what I'm bringing to your attention, as well as the false gods that you're dealing with. So now, Paul finds himself in a place that he's in an Athens of uncertainty. Notice that in your life, when you're moving on God's assignment, sometime or another, you're at a standstill in a place of uncertainty. So while you in your Athens, the world has already defined what Athens is because see, Athens was named after the Greek goddess Athena. The Greek goddess Athena was the god of wisdom. So when you're in a place of uncertainty, notice that everybody around you in that place want to define and give you wisdom as to what they want you to have versus you waiting on hearing from God in order to know what wisdom he's got for you. Because see, wisdom, if we can be deep on this thing, everybody think wisdom is about what you know. No, let me correct that. Wisdom is about who you know. Come on, come on, come on now. Wow. Wisdom if we want to be real with that, is understanding with proper application. Y'all know the world gives that little catchphrase, knowledge is power. No, it ain't. Knowledge ain't power. Application of knowledge is when you got understanding. So, so notice when you're at a place of uncertainty, the world tries to come at you and give you the wisdom that it wants in your place of uncertainty. Now it causes you to still be at sea. That's why some folks are still seasick in the middle of their spirit because they've let too many other people give them wisdom that ain't God. That's like you getting on your best friend when your AT&T phone call at home and they want to tell you more about your situation than God. God's word can tell you. Okay, my bad, my bad. We got a rough crowd today. Okay, okay. So now, Paul's waiting in Athens. And notice, notice this. If the spirit of the Lord is in me, then it can even get stirred up or invoked against what ain't like the spirit of the Lord. Paul says he was waiting in Athens. Meaning he wasn't getting in nobody's business. Uh, are y'all really catching what I'm saying? It sounds funny, but it's the truth. My boy said he wasn't in nobody's business. But then his spirit, which was the Holy Ghost, got stirred up. You know what I'm saying? How many of us are recognizing when our spirit gets stirred up when we're in the wrong place and the wrong spirit is around us? Something's wrong when we sitting like Willie Lump Lump every time we get into a place that we know the spirit ain't right and then we don't do something about it. Wow. So, so Paul is sitting here and he says, I'm minding my own business, but the spirit got stirred up or invoked by what was going on around me. I know this is probably prophetically speaking to somebody right now. You checking some things. Yep, yep, yep. Some of y'all thinking about work tomorrow. You saying, yep, yep. I keep going into a bad camp. 
I, I, I keep going to a camp where they're taking my beanie weenies. I keep going into a camp where they're taking the word out of me. Y'all, y'all know. So, 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 Paul is there and he says, my spirit got stirred up in a city that was wholly given to idolatry. Wholly given to idolatry. And as we know, like I said, idolatry is worshiping something that does nothing. Amen. But let me be deep because some people really need the next dimension of idolatry. Idolatry is not just about worshiping something that does nothing. But idolatry spiritually also means being in an intimate relationship with more than one God that you're not committed to. Okay, y'all, okay, so I'm still looking at me deep right there. Okay, let, 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 let's take that thing back. Brrr, let's roll it back. Old Testament-wise, we talked about idolatry. In, 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 in our understanding as a Western world, we say, okay, that's about worshiping false gods. But if you really got into the intricate details of idolatry, it was the fact of not being committed to something. I'm going to worship a bunch of different gods. Y'all, y'all know I'm going to taste every flavor. Uh, I'm going to be a Muslim today. I'm going to be a Christian tomorrow. I'm going to do Hindu next week. I'm going to do Judaism next month. So what I do is I learn to practice worshiping them all. And then I change with the season as far as worshiping all of them. God is like, either you committed to me or you're not. That's why God kept saying over and over in the Old Testament that the children of Israel had divorced him. If anybody really gets a revelation, when you get into a real covenant relationship with him, when you step out and begin to worship a different God than him, then that becomes not only adul- uh, 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 idolatry, but it becomes adultery and if you don't ever submit your life to God to worship him it not only becomes idolatry but it becomes spiritual fornication because now that means I'm intimate with every God that's out there but ain't none of them got a ring on their finger with me being connected to them Wow. so now y'all know why Paul was tripping. Okay, so Paul begins to trip, y'all. He says, ah, everybody is given over to idolatry. Everybody is given over to submitting. Now, that should even begin to cause us to wonder about the scripture. How is it that a people allow themselves to totally... Are y'all really getting what I'm saying? This ain't even a scenario like Abraham and Lot. You know what I'm saying? Where it's a couple of folks that were still worshiping God. It says everybody had converted over to idolatry. Now you begin to wonder, what is it? What is it that had the ability to change everybody's way of thinking uh, to convert them into believing something else was God more than God himself? False gods in the church. Okay, so he says, he says, therefore, I disputed in the synagogue with the Jews. Okay, he he disputed. That meant when he got stirred up, he's like, oh, 
I got to get with the boys. I got to get with some of my brethren that claim they believe one thing, but they doing another. How many of us right now are doing that when our own brothers and sisters are talking foolishness and craziness around us that ain't even got no likeness of God whatsoever? So Paul says, hey, I ain't going to be bumped off. I'm finna deal with you. So he began to deal with him. Now, notice that I brought to y'all attention. They were holding him at the porch. They're like, we want to give you some assistance. Now, in our assistance, we think our philosophy is going to be the assistance that you need versus the knowledge that you got of God. Don't watch this, y'all. Don't let folks philosophy twist you up as to being greater than the knowledge of God. See, because understand, philosophy is only man's idea of thinking. If, if, I, if I can even touch before I really get into these Greek gods and so forth, philosophers were ones that were seeking wisdom. But in that, in the finite mind of man, man does not have the ability to comprehend the multi-dimensions of God. Amen. No matter how we want to slice and dice it, due to us being human beings and with sin being in our DNA, we have a struggle with trying to come to the totality of God. People even have a struggle when we talk about the triune identity, the trichotomy of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So if we're struggling with that, we're still struggling with all the other identities of his character that he operates in. So in that, some of what we call the boys or the philosophers of the day said, okay, then in order for me to write some things for folks to grab God and try to uh, uh, compartmentalize who he is, I'm going to break him down into 12 or more identities so that people can touch one specific identity to and culminate who God is in that persona. So in that, in that, in that what happens is due to the fact that Satan and his boys, the demons, they still tracking everything that's coming out of the mouth of God in the earth realm and everything that you as a little version of him speaks, they say okay, so now you have created something because remember God made you out of his imagination mm -hmm, mm -hmm. y'all remember Genesis that's right 126. Let's make man our own image, image word of imagination. So when he made you out of his imagination, you became a small version of him coming from his DNA. So now that you're the small version of him from his DNA, you have the authority to change the universe. Y'all have heard me say this before. When I speak something in the atmosphere, the universe hears God speak in me and begin to magnetize to what God is speaking. That's right. So in that, in my finite mind as a man to try to make God, now that I define these personas, then demons are listening as well and say, oh, okay. So if you believe that's what God is like, we're going to help you out and we're going to shape him up. All right? Because the word even said Satan is transformed into an angel of light. So that means he's still doing good stuff that make you get twisted up and think it's God, but God ain't nowhere near it. All he does is lure you in in order to cause you to fall from grace, fall from, i.e., divine influence by God. So many of us are getting sucked in because things that we have created and we've written out in poetry to say this is a version of God, that's a version of God. And so now we have now become subject to our own creation. 
So now, demonic activity says, okay, I'm down with you. I'm going to do exactly what you think so that I can become a deity that you begin to worship. Some folks want to say, oh, no, Apostle, you're going to say that that has not been successful when you've got whole regions that have been devoted and have created monuments in honor? Don't tell me you ain't, you, you, you ain't never seen Rome, Italy, France, and all of the Colosseums that have been established, which is nothing more than your version of Olympus. That's why we have Olympic Games. Oh, okay, touching on some stuff that folks don't want to hear. Why you think they got statues still in the Louvre? Yes, that's true. That are personifying these deities. I'll even touch military-wise some of our patches even carry Greek God. Symbolism. Still going down into this. All right, so this says, he disputed with them in the synagogue. Then certain philosophers, not everybody, notice that it said certain. Specific, that means specific. Those who were subject matter experts in their area of expertise. So now they began, he began to be dealed with. So y'all, y'all, should, y'all should really catch this. Based on what you know of God, that's what type of philosophers come to you to deal with you. Oh, y'all, y'all ain't hear me right there. Let me roll that back. Based on the level of knowledge that you have of God determines what kind of philosopher comes to you to deal with you, to challenge you on what you believe. See, Paul was already established, so the word says that it was certain boys. That, that means they couldn't get the chumps. They, could, they couldn't get the newbies to come and deal with him. They had to get the ones that were experts. See, that's why we keep running into a, a, a blockade when we begin to advance on assignment, when we're dealing with what God has given us and we're finding that everything keeps getting in our way. It's because Satan has dispatched certain folks that are at your level of expertise. That makes so much sense. Okay. So he says, try to keep going. Walking to us, y'all bear with me, amen. So he says, they disputed. Then they said, who is this babbler? Setting forth strange gods. All right, so check this out. Notice how Paul and his knowledge of God, they began to identify him as a babbler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, watch this. Y'all got to grab this. Mm-hmm. Even as you deal with your own philosophers, the first thing that they want to do, even in dealing with you, is discredit who you are. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
Notice that every time that you have done something, whether it's in your workplace or, or, or wherever you've been, even with your own family, and you began to give them a revelation for God, notice that your own family would discredit your identity. They want to call you a babbler, so nobody takes serious what you got to say. Why is that? Why is that? Thank you. Everybody's discrediting you continually, and I'm telling you, it's because false gods have infiltrated. So they say he's a babbler, and he's given an unknown doctrine. Well, Paul wasn't given nothing that was new. Y'all know what I'm saying. He wasn't the first one on the scene to have a Jesus experience on the road to Damascus. Jesus had already done his thing. Prophets had already prophesied in the Holy Writ, the old script of the Old Testament. So he was already foretold of coming. He had already been prophesied. Men had already started dying as martyrs. But then they want to act like, 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 like uh, they didn't know what was going on. Right. Come on. Everybody want to act like lost in space. Like they ain't never heard of nothing. So now... He says, they, they, they said, you're, you're, you're preaching to us about some strange gods. Mm -hmm. You're preaching to us about Jesus, Yahshua, mm -hmm. God is my salvation. And then you're preaching to us about Anastasia, mm -hmm. which we got the revelation, yes. the resurrection. Yes. That this is a God who really resurrected from the dead and has power over death. So now, they're discombobulated. They're discombobulated because there's a, a, a war between the pantheons of what they worship and this of understanding who Christ and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit and who God is. This is what your real adversary is right now in the body of Christ. Whether you want to realize it or not, what the world has now prostituted before you is the war of many against few. See, we've got to understand, even when David went to battle, if you remember, he had enough men but God said, you got to tear some, some yes. folks away because I only need a few. God don't need too many versions of himself to be created in order to do what he does. But man is constantly trying to find and create another version of him in order for you to get twisted up and chase after it and believe it's your God until you lose your salvation. Okay, okay. Thank you, Jesus. Now, what's Thank deep? You. Can I tell y'all something that's really deep? I'm finna give y'all a revelation here. Check this out. Thank you. They took Paul. Since since my boy was dealing with them at the church. They, they said, oh no, oh no, we got to take you to our own playing ground. Watch this. They took him onto Areopagos. Now understand, y'all, Areopagos is not a person, it's a place. Now, can I be deep with y'all? The first part of that name is Ares. Oh, wow. Ares was the Greek god of war. Pagos means 
binded together in a high place. So they took Paul, okay, watch this. As the scripture later says, Mars Hill, Mars is the Roman name of Ares in the Greek. So Mars Hill is nothing more than Areopagos, which is the mountain of Ares. Wow. Now, let's, let's, let's deal with Ares for a moment. Because, see, y'all, y'all understand even why even our education system believes that you need to have Greek mythology, even in middle school, some in high school. Why is it that Greek mythology becomes part of your educational system? Mm. Have you ever asked that question? We, we, we don't touch in the Hebraic history, but we do touch in the Greek history. Why is it? Okay, now, let, let, let me jump on Aries for a minute. Aries was the god of war, for those that know anything about Greek mythology. When people went to battle, they prayed to Ares in order to be victorious in their battle. Amen? But watch this. When they prayed to Ares and Ares performed for them, that gave Ares eternal access to them. And see, if you know anything about the persona of Ares, Ares was fed on anger and rage and hatred. So, okay, somebody should have a V8 moment now. You're trying to figure out why you even do nasty things to your own brothers and sisters in Christ. Could it be that you're personifying the anointing of the spirit of Ares? Y'all know when you do something to somebody, you don't know why you did it. You just like, I don't know why I don't like them. I don't know why I hate them. I don't know why I did what I did. Because we began to feed into a persona that we have not identified with. See, demonic spirits are acting out these things right in your presence and just laughing at you because you're not recognizing and being able to put them in check. So now, they, they take Paul to the mountain of war. If we're going to engage you, even though we're the experts, you seem to be an expert as well. So we need to have a little bit more of an edge in order to deal with you. Notice that everybody want to take you to their Mars Hill when they're dealing with you. When you stand firm on what the word of the Lord is within you and you're ready to deal with them and they ain't able to deal with you. Notice that they say, okay, I need to bring you to my own home turf because now I got some bag up. I got a crew that I can deal with you. Y'all, y'all got to understand this. But see, sometimes we got to deal with Aries like David dealt with Goliath. We can keep five stones packed in our pocket and hit him straight in the middle of his eyes. Come on. Y'all ain't hearing the you. Come on, Lord. Amen. Okay, okay, so so took it to Mars Hill. Then they said we want to, we want we want you to deal with us on what you're talking about. Alright. Mm-hmm. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would know therefore what these things mean. So in their own turf, they want to know what these things mean. But see, you gotta understand usually demonic spirits, especially when they're dealing with you. They also want to be able to uh, 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 convert or dilute what you have in order to make it into a new doctrine. Oh, y'all don't hear me there. They said, we want you to tell us. Now, wait a minute. 
Understand, you, you can't miss this. Paul already told them when they was there at the synagogue. But now they reiterate, okay, we want you to say this so we can get it on record. So, so, so everybody can make the record of what you're giving. Because if this is God that's speaking through you, then all we got to do is get down the digits of everything that you release and find a way to re-engineer that as a God for people to believe. Why do we think Bar Jesus wanted to buy the Holy Spirit? Yes. My man had been around and seen some things. He watched some things. So he said, okay, somebody had tipped him off that it could be purchased. Some people are thinking that God can be purchased in whatever version that he's brought in. That's why folks are getting prostituted right now, paying in order to get God in places that it's only a false God being presented to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody got to wake up and smell the coffee, as we said. Somebody got to begin to have spiritual eyes to discern what's going on. You know, case in point, I was talking to the man of God. I said, let's, let, let's deal with some of these false gods in the Greek gods and the Roman gods. Some have heard of Dionysus. Dionysus was the Greek god of chaos. Okay, how coincidental. Satan is the god of chaos. Dionysus is the Greek god behind alcoholism and substance abuse. Wow. Dionysus is the one when you feel depression, he says hide behind an illicit substance and let it be your god for a temporary fix. So now, I personify Dionysus every time I find myself hitting the bottle. Every time I find myself letting some illicit substance have full control of my mind, now I've let this false god be my god to fight my battles. Because see, I'm going to be real, it's just a punk move that everybody hides behind their problems and don't deal with it straight up. Dionysus is just the God that wants you to just say, hey, we can let all our worries go away. All you got to do is find me in this bottle and so forth, and you ain't got to worry about nothing else. Well, sooner or later, you're going to sober up, and the problem is still going to be there. Thank you. Thank we, you. <laughs> we stuck on Aphrodite, the goddess of love. We don't let lust become the definition of God's love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not love, for God is love. Roll that back. It said God is love. So if I ain't got no God in me, I don't know no definition of what love is. I don't have no real version of love in my life because God is the original DNA of what love is. So how folks saying that they love somebody and ain't got no God in their life? They fooling they self. So now I done got jumped on the Aphrodite tip. That lusting after somebody or lusting after something is true love. I want to be like Willie Nelson, looking for love in all the wrong places. So now to hit, I done hit myself in Aphrodite. And then Aphrodite then turn around and makes us even lust after ourselves because it's her son Cupid 
that there's a relationship with. And everything want to be bullseye. Everything want to be, I want to shoot at somebody to make somebody love me. Why is the world thinking, especially us as believers in the body of Christ, that everybody out here is supposed to love you? Jesus said, if they don't love you, they don't love me, and they never love the Father. So why am I fooling myself, trying to gussy myself up and look good to be acceptable in their sight? Like, oh Lord, they're my strength and my redeemer. Okay. We, we done got caught on the Aphrodite and Cupid tip. Wow. Still don't stop there. My boy Hephaestus. Come on, come on. Greek come mythology, on. Hephaestus was the son of Zeus and the son of Hera. But he was born imperfect. Had a bad leg. So with that, he was cast out of Olympus. Okay. So now, Hephaestus was the Greek god that was the forger. He does works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Got to hear me here. Did not the word say faith without works is dead? And works without faith is dead. All right. Hephaestus was already killed on his faith of being with the gods because he was imperfect. Okay, now look at yourself. Right now, the majority of folks that's outside the body of Christ are already saying, even though we was made by him, I'm never going to be worthy to be with him because I'm imperfect, because there's something wrong with my identity, and I'm going to try and do whatever works that I can that's the work of the gods in order for me to be accepted back into the presence of God. But eventually, I'm going to defeat myself because I'm always thinking that I'm not worthy to be with him. Regardless of my imperfections, I'm always going to look at myself less than being able to reside with God. So now the asbestos spirit has got us twisted up in the condemnation. The spirit of separating yourself from God versus God separating himself from you. My Lord, come on. <laughs> wow. We're dealing with some folks. We're dealing with some folks. My boy Pan. We still ain't done with the church. Church done been mesmerized by Pan. Those don't know anything about the Greek god Pan. Pan was the one that was half human, half goat. Okay, now I'm speaking to you prophetically because while you half in yourself, you half wild. Uh, okay, y'all still looking deep. Pan was the Greek god that played the flute. People and everybody just dancing behind him. I'm just keeping it real. All right, so now folks who made Mother Goose and Nursery Rhymes said we own this something. All they did was rework it with the story of the Pied Piper. Oh, Jesus. Oh, y'all, y'all feel what I'm saying? Okay, okay, it's, it's ringing home. Pied Piper plays his little flute. The little kids are just walking along. In the same turn, when the folks wanted to get rid of their problem, you know, the rats. 
Pied Piper would play. Rats would follow. They would follow. Then, as soon as he stopped playing, everybody looking around like, where am I at? They done came out of amnesia. Okay, okay, so now I'm fixing to connect this for you. That's the same thing going on in church with praise and worship. Okay, we're looking around trying to figure out why folks are only moved by certain songs. Why folks will jump when a certain melody or a certain beat is played that they like to hear. Then they, that's my jam. They sit here, this is my jam. Now all of a sudden they want to get in the mix of what's going on. Uh, y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying? Now, while they jumping, shouting, doing everything that they big enough to do, somebody up here says the cow jumped over the moon. They sit there and endorse it by saying amen. Jesus. Because they've been mesmerized. <laughs> they mesmerized. Then as soon, soon as the music stops. All right, come on. Now everybody looking deep. Why am I here? <laughs> How did I get here? They looking at it. Y'all, it's, it sounds funny, but I'm giving you a truth that you hadn't recognized. Now they're trying to figure out what is the preacher talking about. There's a disconnect because the groove that they was in by the music don't match where their spirit is once the music has stopped. Come on, Pastor. Come on. It's tight, but it's right. Then we want to sit up here and worship Apollo in the church. Come on, come on, come on. Okay, y'all still still looking at me hard right now. We know, especially as, as a culture, showtime at the Apollo. We associate it with a theater, but we never ask ourselves the question, why was it named Apollo? Okay, glad y'all didn't ask the question. <laughs> Apollo was the Greek god of entertainment. People went to Apollo in order to have their future told to them. People went to Apollo because he was the medicine god. But in order to usher Apollo in, it was done by doing entertainment. Poetry, song, dance. Uh, uh, y'all, y'all, really hitting right now. So now, are we really worshiping God when we come in the house? Or are we really worshiping Apollo? Everything that we have accepted, because when, I, when we go back and look at the word praise and worship, when I look at them both in Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, every language that they came from, praise means to give thanks, yes. to yes. raise hands and thanks. Okay, in all the entertainment that I'm doing, especially some of the songs I'm doing, is God being acknowledged in there as you saying I'm thanking him for what he's done? I, I, I'm just asking a question. Worship means to prostrate yourself. All right. What do turning cartwheels and everything else in the church have to do with you changing your posture in order to reverence the true and the living God? Yes, Lord. Thank you. So could it be Apollo has infiltrated the camp? Some folks don't want to hear it, but mm-hmm. this is a word of truth. Because now you're accountable to begin to check yourself and say, wait a minute, am I letting this be what I think is the true worship of God? Then we deal with Zeus, king of the gods. He was also known as Jupiter. Now notice that out of all the Greek deities, he was not only 
a God, but a king. Come on. All right. So now y'all should walk with me. The scripture talk about us being kings. So now Zeus was the God of lightning and thunder, but he was also the God of justice. So that meant Zeus was the God that got to make the rules. So what's going on in the church with some of the rules that's being made that don't line up with the word of God? When I'm making rules as the king with power and thunder and boom, I'm still personifying that I'm Zeus on the throne. So, Paul had to go deal with this. See, some folks still want to say, well, Apostle, you've just been watching Clash of the Titans. And you, you just on a Greek, on a Greek God trip. No, no, contraire, mon frere. When you turn to Acts chapter 14. Verse 12, because of the works that Paul and Barnabas did by the living God, the people began to call them a Greek God. They called Barnabas Jupiter. Jupiter is the Roman name for the Greek God Zeus. And they called Paul Mercurius, which is Mercury which is the Roman name for the Greek god Hermes. So if I ain't careful, even operating on God's behalf, folks gonna associate me with the God that they know. And apparently they associate me, if it's a God they know, then apparently it's a God that they serve. Because they, they notice characteristics that are associated with what they have set up as the God that they worship. How many of us are being called Greek gods? And Hermes is a deep thing. Hate to say it, but I'm going to tear down this thing of, of the prosperity message that's been indicted on the church as well. Mercury or Hermes was the Greek god of success. He was the god that they prayed to in order to be successful in their jobs. He was the god that they prayed to in order to obtain materialistic things. All right, so now, now y'all, y'all, this is coming together now. As you began to war over the years and you said, well, wait a minute. There's been a prosperity message preached to the church, but I don't know what I feel about that. And now I'm giving you the revelation. Because, see, anything of prosperity of God is about his resources. The things that he made with his own hands. Uh, uh, y'all feel what I'm saying? Man can't make land. God can Man can't make water. God can. All right. So the natural resources of the earth is what God told us to have dominion over in Genesis 1:28. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. There are things that God created that can't no other hand mimic, can't copy, can't duplicate. So in the resources that are there, as I've told folks once, I'll tell it again. Resources make finances. Finances don't make resources. So if 
if I have possession of the resources of God, I shouldn't have to worry about the finances because they're a fringe benefit that goes along with the possession of me being a good steward over whatever God has given me to manage. So now I'm still in here pimping God and actually speaking to Mercury asking him bless my finances. Come on, be for real. Yes, mm. my Lord. My I need to be asking God to make me a good steward. I need to ask God to flow into me His resources, cause money can be here today, gone tomorrow. God's resources are eternal. See, for those that are Bible readers, when He says He'll make a new heaven and a new earth, that word "new." comes from the word, Greek word, kinos, not enos. Enos means to make from nothing or new. Kinos means cosmetic or reconstructive. So when he says, I'm gonna make a new heaven and a new earth, he ain't gonna destroy the one he already made, he just gonna clean it up. Y'all, y'all, y'all feel what I'm saying? If your roof is messed up, you ain't gonna demolition your whole house just to have a new roof. All you're gonna do is do cosmetic work and fix what's broke. So God says the same thing. So that tells me, okay, God, then you don't put some eternal resources in place. I just got to have wisdom and understanding to press myself into getting the right thing and speak the right things to flow into my life versus finding myself becoming dependent on a false God. That's why some folks that are tied up with their fame and fortune with their careers, if I can jump back on Apollo, everybody understands, especially out of our ethnic background, think that if I make it to the Apollo then my career has stardom so since that if I get on the stage there and I can juggle I can do some little balls in the air or I can write a poet poetry uh, that don't even make sense as long as everybody clap then what's going to happen is my career shoots to stardom so basically what you said is you put your trust in Apollo if I trust in your theater for the career, then I'm trusting in the name of the God that it represents. And as soon as we begin to recognize what ain't God, notice that the Sandman comes into the place. Why is it like that in the church? Every time the man of God or woman of God is giving you truth, now all of a sudden you're getting sleepy. Sandman sitting right in the pews. You like, man, I don't know why I'm sleepy all of a sudden. Y'all y'all know it sounds funny, but I'm, I'm giving you something that you now have spiritual eyes to begin to recognize since in our finite minds we need a persona that we can identify with. Yes, Lord. It's the same thing with Hades. That's right. That's, Are we right. Gonna... That's right. It's the same thing with Hades. Now, notice every time we want to flex something, get mad at somebody, we want to send them right to you know where. And then when we out of God character, we say, I'll see you there. Okay, so now in Greek mythology, who was the one that sent folks to, okay, Tartarus to keep it clean for the house? Other than Hades. That's right. That's right. Who was the one going back and forth? That's right. So now, what is it? We, we, we want to play Satan too? Oh, we... We, we want to be false accusers. Come on. 
the devil. <laughs> That's what we acting as false accusers, not the accuser. See, the scripture didn't make no error. Satan know who he is. So did the scripture writers. So they call him the accuser. But then the scripture talk about a false accuser, which is why owe you. You're the only fake version of Satan in the earth realm when you acting outside of the will of God. Okay. Paul, get ready to roll this up. Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill or the mountain of Ares, place of war. And he said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. All right. Meaning, you are so head over heels in religiosity that you miss God. Superstition ties itself to us being so regimented in a thing that we do that we even begin to create an add-on to the thing that we do and still miss the purpose of what we do. So then, over the generations of understanding and worshiping these personas and so forth, they missed the mark of God because they, they lost the essence of God. Now they've become super, superstitious. Y'all know it, it has infiltrated us as well. Y'all know folks still want to avoid stepping on a crack. Yeah. <laughs> Sound funny, but y'all know I'm telling the truth. We, we don't want to split the pole because, uh, oh, no. And then we running, run around. I don't want the mirror to crack. So have we allowed it to infiltrate us as individual believers in God. So he said they, they had become so superstitious. Then he says, for I passed by and beheld your devotions I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. All right. So now, watch this. That's what we have because these personas we don't recognize. They have become so intertwined in religiosity that they even lost the identity of their own false gods. So they used a neutral term, unknown God. See, understand, understand this. Even for us, as, as we take from the Hebraic culture, because if you think about it, even as a Western world, we have borrowed bits and pieces from other cultures to create what we call our form of belief or Christianity. I'm just giving you truth. So in the borrowing and taking, they lost even the essence of the identity of the personas that they were worshiping. So now it became an unknown God. All right. Be it that it was unknown, it became in their ignorance to know what they were worshiping and why they were doing it. Are, are, are y'all getting what I'm saying? So now, they, because, so now, ask yourself, in the things that I brought to your attention, you have worshiped an unknown God if you're guilty of anything that I brought to your attention. So you have actually done the same thing. 
You just ain't put up an altar in here that says unknown God. Now, the altar, as we know, means high place of elevation. So they began to elevate what they didn't know. That means, watch this, mysteries become what intrigue us. That's right. See, because the unknown, if I can digress and, and touch back on Dionysus, for a minute or something else. Be it that he was the God of chaos, he was also the God of excitement, mm-hmm. unwarranted excitement. Y'all know how you have a thrive to ride in a car so fast that you're almost at the point of death and your heart races? That ties to Dionysus. You want to challenge things to see how far you can push to see, yeah, show you right. You thrill seeking. You, you want to see what you can get away with, how far you can push it without it being detrimental to you. Mm-hmm. That's a Dionysus spirit. Wow. So in that, they began to culminate all these different things that had nothing to line up with God. Because see, for the God that we worship, he gives us a word and he says, okay, Anything that I tell you, I'm going to even give you the consequences if you don't obey. Unfortunately, everything that man creates as a God has no consequences. Oh, that went over some folks' head. Notice that anything that man creates, there's no consequences because man does not know the end result. Since man is not God, he does not know the ultimate Let me, can I jump on Clash of the Titans for the, I remember there's something significant for those that have watched it. There's a scene in there, in the newer ones, y'all get me, the, the newer ones, the newer ones, where Zeus is talking to Perseus, and he says that We only exist based on the prayers of the people. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. It's like, wait a minute now. This is sci-fi, right? Yes. But he said, and this was Zeus talking to Perseus. He says, we only exist based on the prayers of the people. So now ask yourself, what are you praying in the house to make them still exist? What are you praying that's causing them to continue to be incarnated in your life without you even knowing it? Wow. 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 Now, the old one, Lawrence Olivier, yeah. Zeus. The boy said, hey, without the prayers, mm-hmm. we fade away. That's right. But to commemorate us, they will look to the stars. Yes, yes, yes. So now, even in the mythological background of the deities, they even acknowledge that they're going to fade away. That's right, that's right. God says, see, 
Not, not only does God say he won't fade, he says his word. He doesn't even have to physically exist. He said his word will never fade. So somebody should have been able to answer the question on the test and say, oh, no, this is the wrong one. This one is going to last. Why would you worship or find yourself worshiping something that's not going to last? Why are we finding ourselves tied up with temporal things versus eternal things? Okay. okay. All right, time is getting away from us. So he says, therefore, ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. But if I can read, if you bounce down with me to verse 27. Scripture says that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought to not think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone or graven by art and man's devices. And all the argument that Paul is able to deal with the philosophers he says, while you're trying to make an external version of God, God already is near you and within you. Jesus in John 10, 34, we were saying this morning, says, it is not written that you are God's. And scripture can't be broken. He referred to Psalms 82, 6, that calls you God, the children of the most high. So it's like, basically... Why are you trying to re-engineer me and you haven't let me engineer myself within you? Why are you trying to make an external version of me when you still ain't worked on the one that's inside of you? If you get that one right, you don't have to make an external version for folks to see because they'll see me within you. First John says, we shall see him as he is. How can we see him as he is unless he can see himself in you? So, where the false God movement has happened, it's made us think that we've got to see it to believe it. We think that I've got to make some big statue or some artwork for folks to look at and say this is what God looks like. But in that, as I look at him over here, He's far from being within me because now I have not activated the God that's within me in order for folks to see and know what God looks like as a living God. Y'all ain't heard what I said. He says, I'm the true and the living God, meaning there's nothing that you can make that can articulate me as a living entity other than yourself. <laughs> 
If yourself is in right standing with me, then what happens is folks see me in you and know what I look like for myself. And when they can see it within you, then they can believe that it's within themselves. Y'all, y'all got to hear what I'm saying. Uh, some folks miss the mark uh, of being godly because you ain't representing God within. Uh, you trying to represent God externally. And it's caused the church to be shipwrecked uh, in the spirituality of what they believe. That's why people are mixed up right now leaving the church saying, well, who is God? They don't know what God is like because they was expecting him to be in you. Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Lord. False gods. Thank you. Wow. In the church. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.